All right, we're back into Hebrews today, and we are getting to a part of Hebrews that I think is the crescendo of Hebrews, and which is the remembrance of those who have gone before us in faith and what God did with and through them. The heroes of the faith, and we're going to kind of split this up into two parts today, uh, part one today and part two next week, but... Um, all of us believe and don't believe at the same time. We believe in God, but sometimes we don't believe He can do what He's done in the past. You get what I'm saying? Like, we see the miracles of the Old Testament and we see God's hand at work and, and if you're a dispensationalist, that's a big word for someone that believes that there's epochs of time there's sections of time throughout the history that God did certain things and after that epoch or that time frame was done that he quit doing those things so like there's like just to kind of clear that up a little bit there's some Christian churches today that believe that the speaking of tongues was for an epoch of time for the beginning of the church to show the power of God so that people would know that God was at work at the church but now we're in an epoch of time where that's no longer necessary. Okay? I don't, that's not what we believe. I'm just saying that's out there. And there's other things like that, dispensationalists, okay? So sometimes we believe, but yet we don't believe. We believe that the God that did the creation of the world maybe can't do things and be creative today in our world. We believe that Jesus who resurrected um, Lazarus from the dead cannot resurrect some relationships or some lives or whatever today. We believe that that was for a portion of time. We believe and yet we don't believe. Now, no one here believes everything, right? No one here believes everything. Like anything you hear, what? Some of it's fake news. You know, we don't, we don't believe everything, but we believe some things, right? But not everything. Because if you believed everything, you would have to believe things that are opposite of one another. Right? So when it comes to faith, a big part of our lives and what defines how we live is what we believe in and who we believe in. But the question for us this morning as we look through the, the people of faith today is what do we do about it? I'm not here to question your faith. I'm here to ask you, according to what we have here, from those heroes that have gone before us, where do you connect? How do, how do you emulate? How do you follow? Paul the Apostle says, hey, if you can't follow Jesus, follow me, because I'm following Jesus. We are supposed to emulate. We are supposed to follow what are we called? What, are the, what is the, one of the things that Christians are called? Followers of Jesus. <laughs> so we need to emulate and we need to take on those characteristics of people that have done it right and have done it good. You know? If you wanted to emulate someone who was a great, a great evangelist, someone who shared the gospel a lot, who would you want to emulate? Billy Graham. Billions of people he's reached. Mother Teresa. 
You know, if we can look through the different parts of faith and say, hey, there are some saints today. There are some saints that are doing it. And I would love to emulate them. I would love to take some of their, their nuggets of gold and then put them into my life and use them for the kingdom of God as God sees fit for me to do so. We believe in certain things and that causes us to disbelieve other things. So when you believe a certain way, you can't believe in another way, right? You can't serve God and you can't serve money at the same time. You just can't do it. So you have to choose. Now, what we believe really represents our faith. And we all have faith in something. And, and throughout history, we're going to read today the historical accounts of those who have faith in God and what that looked like. And I hope that today, as we go through it, it's not just a, a history lesson or go, walking through a museum and seeing, oh, okay, uh, you know, here's, here's Adam and Eve. Oh, okay, look at that. I'm glad they put some fig leaves on them. Okay, and then here's, you know, we're not going to go through the museum of faith. We're going to go through the actual things that caused them to have faith and what did it look like and how can you connect onto those. And, and, and look at your own faith and say, do I got faith like that? I have partial faith like that. I've, I'm leaning that way, but how can I grab hold of it all? Amen? You guys with me this morning? Okay. All right. Let's take a, uh, a look, a definition. Verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of things we don't see. So to begin with, we need to understand and we need to see that faith is confidence and assurance. Confidence in what or who we place our hope in and assurance of what or who we don't see. Do you see God? Physically? You don't see God. Because no Scripture says no one can see God and live, right? There's a reason why in the book of Revelation when John is taken to heaven and he sees God he falls down like a dead man. He fainted. It was too wonderful. It was too powerful for him. Isaiah, when he goes to heaven, he falls down like a dead man because he knows that scripture. No one can see God and live. What did Moses ask? Lord, may I see you? And God told Moses, no, because if you see me, you will die. But what I'll do is I'll let you see my glory. So as I pass, I'm going to put my hand over you, and then you'll see my backside. And it changed his appearance. Every time he met with God in the temple, he had this glow. It changed his appearance. You know, in the movie, The Ten Commandments, they show him getting grayer. That's how they showed it. I didn't notice if they gave him a little bit more tan. You think they would do that? California, Charlton Heston. Now, this doesn't make sense to some people. How can you have confidence and assurance, hope in something you don't see? How many of you woke up this morning and saw the air in your bedroom? 
wait a minute, you, how do you know it's there? Because you're here. Because <laughs> we breathe, right? Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So the assurance of things hoped for, I hope, I pray, I'm getting to the point in my life when I have to start praying this way, that I get more breaths in the morning. You know, not that I'm fatalistic, but I do pray. God, give me another day. Give me another day. I know he just gives me today. He's promised me today. I'm going to make the most out of today. But I would love to see tomorrow. And I would love to see next year. And I would love to see the next 10 and the next 20. I would love that. But right now, Lord, give me today. Assurance of what we do not see. How many of you know what love is? Three of you. Really? Do you know what love is to you? That'll make it easier. Okay. You all have felt love or you have given love. Right? Can you touch it? Can't touch this. You, you can't. It's, it's, not, it's not tangible. It becomes tangible when the actions happen. When you give a gift, or you give a word of encouragement, or you give a hug, or you know, all those kind of things that show love. As we show it to one another, then it becomes tangible. But other than that, it, you know, how do you know I love you? How do you know I love you right now? What, by me standing behind a pulpit? I showed up? What if, that, what if I say that has nothing to do with you? It has everything to do with my responsibility before God? Yeah, I'm asking a question. I'm talking about right now. Well, how do you know I love you right now? How do you know that? Am I, am I slapping you? No. Am I, am I calling you names? No. Am I ignoring you? No. Am I doing the things that are contrary to love? What's going on over there? That's a good thing. <laughs> love is translated through our actions. And so when we do the things of love, even though we're different, even though we don't come from the same EQ, uh, uh, economical background or race or creed or whatever, even belief systems, I can still show love. Because Jesus showed me love while I was yet his enemy. While I was still not wanting to be around him. Not wanting to believe in him. Saying that his sacrifice was worthless. He still reached out in love to me and said, no, no, no. You are worth my life. Wow. So, that's what we do. We, we share that with one another. And then love becomes tangible. So we can have assurance of the things not seen when it comes to God. I'm just laying the, the foundation here for why these people did what they did. Because trust me, these people are just like you. 
Don't think that Adam and Eve are anything special. Well, I mean, they didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't have a belly button. But other than that, they're just like us. They had kids. They had problems. They had issues. All right? Moses had issues. He had problems. David, I mean, we're going to go through a list of people. Abraham, he had some issues. All right? They're just like us. I don't want you to think for a moment that these guys and ladies that I'm going to speak about today were anybody different than you because they weren't. They're people. And you're people. And so how, does, how do we now thresh this out in our own life? Faith, verse 3, brings understanding. By faith we understand that the worlds, that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God said, let there be light. What happened? What happened before he said that? What? It was dark. There was no light. There was nothing. Absolutely nothing. Do you get that God makes things from nothing? Out of nothing. There was a great joke about an atheist and a Christian talking about the atheist was a scientist and he said, hey, we've now been able to create life. And the Christian said, oh, really? Out of what? Well, we're able to take an embryo and inseminate, you know, and create life from that and, and, and make the embryo, you know, viable, or make the egg viable to be an embryo and then put it back into a woman and, and have that. And now they come up with a, did you see the latest? They have a fake womb now. Yeah. They actually grew a sheep in a plastic womb. So you really don't need a mom anymore. Okay, ladies, last Mother's Day was your last Mother's Day. That's it, we're done. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you understand that that's what science is trying to do. It's trying to create life. The thing is, they gotta, the Christian turns to the atheist and says, oh, that's wonderful. But you need to do it the way God did it. And the guy says, what do you mean? There is no God. He says, oh, no, there's a God. Create life without the egg and without, without the, the seed. Because that's how God did it. You're using God's stuff. To you know, you're not creating anything. You're recreating. God created the worlds with his word. Has God changed? Can God still do that? Can God create in you something that is beyond you that you do not have, nor do you have the capacity to have or to make your own? Can he call with a word into your life something that he wants you to be? Did you get that? With a word. With a word. Did you under, do you know that when I got saved with a word, I went from death to life. I was dead. I was dead to God. But with a word, Jesus, I became alive to God. I was like Lazarus. I was dead. I was dead, dead. And when I gave my life to the Lord, he took that body of death off of me. And I was what? Born again. Reborn. 
He should have made me taller, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> We're going to have later. So now let's take a look at some of these examples real quickly here. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he had obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Abel brought a better offering by faith. By faith. How do we know that? If we go back to the original story in Genesis, we find out that Abel was a keeper of the flocks, and he brought his firstlings, it says, the first of his flocks, the best of his flocks, and he brought and he sacrificed it, put it on the altar, burned it up before God, and God ate it all up. He loved it. You know why? Because it was his best and his first. And by faith, he wanted to show God his faith in God by giving him the best that he had. Cain was a keeper of the field. And Cain, it says, just brought stuff. The translation being, it wasn't his first stuff, it was just some stuff. He gathered whatever he wanted to gather, but guess what? His heart wasn't in it. His heart wasn't in it because it wasn't his best. He just gave some stuff. That's why I warn you sometimes. God hasn't changed when it comes to us giving to him. God hasn't changed at all. He wants your first and he wants your best. You give him your leftovers, you're not going to get a blessing. I believe that. I truly do. I try to do every Sunday, I try to give God my first and my best. Because if I don't, I know I'm not going to be blessed by it. Doesn't matter what the amount is. I truly need to give him my first and my best. My best. So he comes and he just gives God an offering. And God denies his offering. I was watching one of those Old Testament movies that, you know, Christian guys make, and they had that scene happening, you know, and, and there's Abel with his offering, and he's, like, you know, the smoke's going straight up to God, and it kind of makes a, makes a little waft up, you know, and, and then it just like, it's almost like you can see God's hands coming down and pulling it up by the way the smoke it up, and then they show, they show Cain, and he's throwing stuff on the fire, and the fire's coming up on him, and, the, and all the smoke and everything's hitting him in the face. And, you know, he's, he starts to walk around the other side to put more stuff, and the smoke follows him. It's, it was pretty hilarious. I was laughing. But he gets mad. And he looks over. I don't know if he saw his brother's offering, or his brother said, hey, God, God accepted my offering. But he gets so angry that he kills his brother. Because of Abel's faith, because he gave God the best, his firstborn, the example to us here is that we need to be sincere in our offering to God. We need to, we need to give him our best. Because you know what it was translated to Abel that still speaks today? He was righteous. He was right with God. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is being right with God. We are right now, right with God, not by what you do, but because of who Jesus is. I am the righteousness of Jesus. Why? Because he's righteous. 
because he's righteous and I believe in him, I have become righteous. Now I have to walk in that righteousness. Because if I still am a hellion, I'm not walking in righteousness, what am I doing to the cause of Christ? I'm doing the opposite. I'm, I'm pushing people away because of my lifestyle. So I have to be righteous as best I can in following Jesus' righteousness. Okay, that's what we learn from Abel. We continue on. Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God took him. For he obtained the witness that before being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Enoch walked with God by faith. His walk was surrounded by him holding God's hand, if you will, spiritually. He's like, you know what, I'm just going to hang on to God. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to do the things that God says to do. I'm just going to do my best to stay close to God. He's like that one lamb that follows the shepherd like right here. If you look in the New Testament, you see John was like that. John was always on Jesus. I mean like on him. In the upper room, he says he had his head on his chest. I'm like, dude. Give him some room. You know, he was like on him all the time. And so he's, he said that's, yeah, he came alongside. So he walks with God and he never experiences death. You ever, guys, ever take, you ever go, well, I went to New York and with Cindy and, and we were able to go up to the, uh, you know, up to the tower, uh, uh, Empire State Building and all that kind of stuff. And we took the express elevator. You know what the express elevator do? It has one stop. It goes from the bottom to the top. No in-between floors, no getting on, getting off. Once you're on that, you go straight to the top. That's what happened to Enoch. He walked with God, and he was walking, and then he was walking, and then he was walking, and then he was walking. And he went straight up. That's awesome. Never experienced death. Why? Because by faith, in that walking with God, it pleased him. It pleases God when you walk by faith, not by sight. When we try to make things happen in our life, instead of trusting God and his word for our life, it, 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 it negates that. We have to trust in the unseen God, in the things that we cannot see, and hope that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, but not only hope, believe that he'll do it. And then your faith will be rewarded. Your faith will be rewarded. Verse 7, Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah didn't flinch when God told him to do something utterly ridiculous. Noah didn't live by the ocean. Noah lived in the farmlands. 
He was out in the burbs. He wasn't in the city, but he was out on the outlying areas. And God told him, you're going to build an ark, and it's going to be so many cubits by so many cubits and all this stuff. And you're going you're gonna to build this out of gopher wood, and you're going to put pitch on it and everything. And then you're going to take all the animals, you're going to gather all the animals, and then I'm going to cause it to rain. Because I've had it. Had it with the sinful people. But you have found favor in my sight. You and your family, because you believe in me, because you walk with me, because you're righteous and going against the flow of society, build this boat. What would you do if God tells you to do something? He's a farmer. He's not a shipbuilder. None of his sons are shipbuilders. His wife is not a shipbuilder or a designer. Neither are his his, uh, daughter-in-laws. None of that. None of that's happening here. They're all farmers. That's what they do. He built it out of holy fear, out of reverence to God. Right. But that holy fear is that awesome respect for God. That's what that means. Yeah. So he, out of reverence to the one who spoke to him, said, all right, I guess I won't be out in the field today because I got to go find a ton of gopher wood because they don't have it at Home Depot. <laughs> you get how ridiculous that is? It took them 200 years to build this thing. 100? What am I thinking about? Oh, the whole process was, yeah. 100 years to build it. In Nebraska. <laughs> Pretty much. And if you build it, the animals will come. (laughs) Four people. Noah and his three sons. I'm sure the ladies helped out. So Noah builds this because God told him judgment was coming. He instructed him to what to do. And in reverence and obedience, Noah took God at his word and began to build. He took him at his word and began to build. He took him at his word and he began to build. Do you see any argument between those two things, between Noah and God? Do you see any excuses? Hey, I'm a farmer. Hey, I, I don't know how to do this. Do you got some plans at least? Do you have a SketchUp, a 30, you know, 3D rendering? I mean, do you have something I can go? No, no, none of that. No. <laughs> How many excuses do we come up with when God tells us to do something that seems, oh, that's just like weird. No, that's just not me. No, that, I'm not prepared. No, I, I really don't have the experience there. I mean, I, how many excuses do you have? Those are just mine. What are yours? Oh, I'm too old. I was too... Noah was pretty old when he started. Are you guys with me here? Are you getting what's, what's, what I'm throwing down? He obeyed, took God at his word, believed the message of God, and as soon as that door closed and all the animals were in there, guess what happened? It started to rain. 
and rain and rain. And not only did it rain, it said the earth opened up and water came up from the, from the earth. God made it rain up and down. Cats and dogs. <laughs> well, no, they were inside the ark, sorry. The last comment about Noah here, and we understand that he's, the, he's called righteous. Once again, that word, right with God. And then the, the father of the Hebrew faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he, where he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham went out and he was commanded to go from his own people, to go to a land that he will show him. He didn't say, you're going down to Israel. Well, what is going to become Israel? You're going down to Canaan, which was the name of the area. Yeah, he didn't tell him that. He said, go unto a place where I will show you. So first of all, he had to understand that God was his GPS. Do you understand that? Or do you, are you your own GPS? I think for a lot of us, we're our own GPS. We get into systems. We get into ruts. We get into patterns for our life. And I know we have jobs. We have work. We got, you know, Monday through Friday, maybe we got the same pattern, stuff like that. But sometimes God wants to break through your pattern and, and, tell, you, and tell you to go to a place that I will show you to go to a place that maybe is outside your pattern. Maybe something that's different. Because he's got a job for you to do there. Abraham's job was to start a nation. And he couldn't do it in Ur. He had to go somewhere else. God had to pull him out of there and put him in the place where he wanted him for the history of the world and God's plan to be accomplished. He had to move him. Because he was God's guy. You might be God's guy. You may be God's woman. And he's telling you, I need to move you. Sometimes the moving is just moving you by faith. Moving your heart to be different. Maybe to love those whom you don't usually love. Maybe to care for those who maybe you don't really care for. Maybe to, to stretch yourself to be more like Jesus. His obedience to that call by getting everything together, Sarah, everybody, his whole tribe, everything, and go down there was obedience. It was faith. And he obeyed God, not even knowing where he was going. That's scary. But they went. And they even lived at eight. This is the funny thing. They were aliens, foreigners, in their land. You understand? I mean, it's like you, God gives you a house, but it's not 
you understand it, you, you live in it, but it's really not your house. It's a rental. But, but, but God gave it to me. It's, he said it's my house. No, but it could be taken away at any moment because there's other people living in the house. The Hittite, the Parasite, the, Ke- the Kenites, and all, these, all these ites were there. They all died hoping. Verse 13. All of these, oh, I'm sorry, I missed one. Then verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. By faith, she was made fertile by God beyond her fertility. She was 90 years old. Some say between 90 and 91 is when she had Isaac. 90. You're going to have a kid. A grandkid? No, a kid. <laughs> a great-grandchild? No, a kid. Out of you. Uh, right. <laughs> the scripture says Sarah laughed when she first heard it because of the ridiculousness of it. Not only am I barren or past the years, I'm not pushing out any eggs. Abraham is even older than I am. How can this be? How can this be? God is in the business of restoration. He can restore anything. He can regenerate anything. How does he get Lazarus, four days dead, alive? How do you regenerate that? No one. Medical, medical practice today can't do that. You take a corpse that's been dead a day and say, hey, can you guys uh, bring this guy back? They'll put you in jail. That's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. They, don't, they can't do it. I don't care how many science fiction movies you've seen. It doesn't happen. She believed, even though she was 90 years old, that God was faithful. Get this. This is where it turns into faith. Faithful for his promise. The second time the angel came to see Abraham, he said, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a boy. And she was outside the tent. She heard it. I don't know if that gave her hope. I don't know if she made him a, a nice lamb dinner that night with candles. You know? Put a little Marvin Gaye on for him. (laughs) Guess that'll do it right there, yeah. (laughs) But that next year, that next time, there was a baby and it was hers. And Isaac was born. He's faithful to accomplish his promises. But look what it says here as we close. All these died in faith without receiving the promises but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. Abraham was promised by, the, by his name being changed that he would be the father of what? Many nations. He was the father of one child. Well, a few because of concubines and stuff. But 
one that was his own that was promised. The promised child. He didn't see his descendants like the sand in the sea and the stars in the sky like was prophesied to him. He never saw it while he was alive. Did it happen? Yes. Yes. From a distance and strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. How many are working? How many of you are working for the now? You know what I'm saying? You're working for the now, meaning, oh, you know what? I'm working so that I can pay off my house, so I can have a nice retirement, so I can enjoy, you know, I go travel, I can enjoy this planet, I can enjoy my family, I can enjoy my grandkids, I can do, you know. If that's what you're working for, then your city is here. You don't belong here. You're aliens here. You belong in the city called the New Jerusalem, which is in heaven. That's the city we should be working for. Jesus said what? Lay up your treasures in heaven and not on this earth where moth destroys and thieves steal and all that kind of stuff, you know. Our job is to lay up treasures in heaven. So we got to do the things that cause for those treasures to be in heaven. And guess what those things are? What are the things that you can do now that lay up treasures in heaven? Jesus gave us a clue. What's the number one thing when Jesus was asked, what's the number one thing? What did Jesus say? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And what was the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Then what did Jesus throw on top of that? He threw one more. We should know this. It's okay if you're wrong. That's number four. Number three was very important. Number three is why we gather here today. Number three is why we don't, we don't all look the same, but yet we're still in the same room. Close. You're, getting, you're almost there. And you shall love one another as I have loved you. Jesus loves you. Jesus sacrificed for you. Jesus put himself down so that God could be big in him. And he wanted to translate that over to you. Jesus gave his life for you. That's what we're supposed to be doing with one another. That's faith. Because it takes faith to do that. You don't believe me? Just look at your neighbor. It takes faith to love. Beyond ourselves. Beyond the quid pro quo. I go full circle from when I started. Faith in the unseen. That we can love one another that way. We don't worry about what we look like or what we do or whatever. That's not the point. You're a believer? 
I'm a believer. We believe in the same Jesus. Jesus wants to be with us together in fellowship. And we have to love one another. And if we disagree, that's okay. We need to disagree, but we still need to love each other. We can do that. We can do that. We don't have to shun each other because we disagree. We can still love and come to community with each other. It's important. I hope that you grab hold of one of these saints today and truly grab hold of what they would mean as we go through this Hebrew Hall of Fame here. They were on this planet and they served God with their whole heart. They did things that were ridiculous. They, they went out of places where they were comfortable to go to somewhere that was uncomfortable. They, they went against culture and walked with God instead of walking with culture. They believed in promises that were impossible to, to be fulfilled. That's the same God we serve. And we should be like that. We need to be like like, like Abel, we need to be like Enoch. We need to be like Moses. We need to be like Abraham and Sarah and Noah. We have to be like them. Because we're part of that family. And when it t- comes time to have big faith, beyond your self-faith, take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Do you believe God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Really? Do you really believe that? Because if you really believe that, you'll step out in faith expecting that. Do you expect God to be God in your life? Or have we minimalized Him? Oh God, you can't do that. I can't tell you how many times I went to God for my best friend who was a hellion. Bad news guy. But he was my best friend growing up. And he and I were in the same boat, trust me. I mean, God got a hold of me first. But I prayed for him, and I prayed for him, and I preached to him, and I preached to him. And he would keep coming at me and keep me up and down. We're still friends. But he would not believe. No, it's not you. Finally, I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, if you're God and you changed me, you can change him. And God said, leave him alone. Let me deal with him. And I was scared when he said that. I was like, no, dude, no. God, dude, uh, no. <laughs> Don't. Because I, I knew at that moment that God, was just, God would just take him out. I just had that feeling. Two weeks it took. I had been sharing the gospel with this guy for three years. Two weeks. He calls me up. Says, hey, I want to receive Jesus Christ. What? I was like, I didn't believe God. I mean, who's this on the phone? Hello, who is this? It was by me being removed, some semblance of light, that he was put into utter darkness. And he realized his lot. This is what he said to me. He said, I was... I had a dream when I was walking to your house. He lived two blocks up the street. I was walking to your house 
And behind me was the angel of death. You know, the whole sickle thing and the, okay? He was behind him. And he reached out and he grabbed me by the collar. And he says, where are you going? And I turned to him and I said, I'm going to my friend's house. He's like, no, you're not. Scared him so bad that he called me the next day. That, that morning he called me. He says, I need to see you. I said, let me pick you up. He just lived up the street because he, he told me on the phone what thing was. I said, don't walk. <laughs> you know? And he received Jesus. He received the Lord. Changed his life. God does that. When we believe in the God of the impossible, when we believe in the God who these heroes of the faith believed in, who are just like you. So believe. Have faith. Step out. Don't worry about your look or what you have or what you don't have or who you are or, who you're not, or how much Bible you know. Forget all that. Believe. Step out in faith. God will use you greatly, even if it's just for one life to be turned. All of heaven rejoices when a sinner comes to faith. Let's do that. Let's reach out to those around us. Let's tell them what kind of a family we have. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, God, that if we keep our hearts set on the heavenly home that awaits us, that we will live with passion and purpose and conviction. And that expression, that faith, will express itself through our loving action to those around us who are not even like us, or maybe even those who are like us. <laughs> Father, that may we just truly live out our life by faith, believing in your big word for us, believing in that you have the power. It's no big thing for you to say, let there be light, and there is light. That, that, that didn't phase you a bit. It's just as easy as me taking my next breath for you. No effort required because you are so great and powerful. Lord, may we truly walk by faith and be pleasing to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.